Welcome to the Alternative Property Management Podcast, brought to you by Renty and the PMC. Hosted by David Faulkner, Harrison Vaughn, and Will Alexander, and powered by Renty, who just want to make renting enjoyable. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Alternative Property Management Show. I am your host, David Faulkner, General Manager of Property Brokers, but actually at the Property Brokers Company Day in Palmerston North. We've just listened to Jen Bird, the CEO of the Real Estate Institute, speak. And again, I'm joined by, is he working yet? Are you working yet well, or are you just, you know, any? Uh, dabbling in the background. He's dabbling in the background. <laughs> so Will Alexander, the man who dabbles in the background. And also Harrison Vaughan, Managing Director of Tommy's Property Management in Wellington. Kia ora, guys. Woo-hoo. How are you both doing? Great, thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely you. fantastic, Dave. So, what are you, what, Will, what have you been dabbling at? Well, I've been doing a little bit of work on the side uh, and doing some planning. What does the future look like for me? Uh, when I start my new role, I want to hit the ground running. So, just building... Yeah. Just starting to align the thoughts. Uh, I'm doing a lot of running at the moment, so it's a great time to align the thoughts and think about what what I want to tackle. So that's kind of what I'm doing, and it's a, what a great space to be in is uh, just having that opportunity to think in clear space and without bias, without outside influences. If I was starting from scratch again, what would I be doing? It's uh, yeah. been really fun. So just pottering away quietly in the background. Yeah. So I've got to ask you. Because the the because I missed this when last podcast, and you mentioned asking about Lance Armstrong, and I missed it when you said because he's a hero. So you was a hero. The question was, is he a hero or is he a villain? And you being a ex professional cyclist and somebody who's pretty driven, you classified him as a hero. And then you went on to say, and I missed it. He said, I can elaborate on that. So I'm going to ask you now, before we get into today's topic. Can you elaborate on why Lance Armstrong is a hero? I appreciate the opportunity to uh, expand a little bit further on my comment there because it is a little bit controversial. And I want to say that what Lance did to uh, what's her, um, Emma, Emma, Emily O'Reilly or whatever her name was, the physio, I mean, he re- he did some really dumb stuff. Like he he ruined people's lives and I don't support that at all like he was he had this big machine behind him they couldn't ruin the story he had Livestrong going hard and anyone that threatened that narrative just got absolutely stripped down to bear I don't support that but for me Lance was part of a system Lance was one of pretty much most people in the professional peloton doing uh, performance enhancing drugs he was the best athlete by a long shot. In his prime still, I think he would probably win. He was one of those very gifted people that was motivated as well as gifted. And I, I think he did a lot for the sport. If you think about what happened during Lance's time in cycling, he brought cycling to the Western world. He turned Trek from a small business into a billion-dollar business. He brought brought it to life. And I mean, you could argue that Greg LeMond did that for America in the 1980s. I just think that what Lance did for cycling in general is fantastic. He wasn't the only person, was he, doing the juice, as you would say. You would, you'd have to assume there'd be a lot of, and to be at the top, the temptation must have been so big. 
Everyone was tacked up to their eyeballs. I witnessed it firsthand yep. in my career. Yep. He was he was still the best. I mean, Jan Ulrich, uh, Ivan Basso, oh, you name it. They they all were dope to the girls. And it was just part of the the cycling at the time. Yeah. And I have to say, I, I was doing I was down at the, the racing track on last week on Thursday and I was doing sprint work with uh, a very good uh, sprinter lady she's a high high achieving runner and we got talking and she said that that is still rife and she's a she's in track and field she's a very good 400 meter runner she absolutely tore my legs off which was fun but um she said it's right through sport yeah oh i mean okay i was interested go we're a bit different well aren't we i was going to say yeah. the only time i see a racing track is on trackside <laughs> but i have to say is the business world so different? Well, I mean, your top performance, I don't know. I mean, it kind of, I suppose, in a funny type of way, it leads into today's topic. Is This is something, Will, that you wanted to bring up around the value of a business development manager in property management. What's the expectations? Uh, does it work? Does geography make a difference? What type of people are suited to that role? Uh, is it something that a property manager should be expected to do on top of what they do? And, you know, and because we've got a good geographical spread, we've all worked in the industry. Um, well, you've worked not just in Auckland, but also my role in provincial New Zealand. Um, I've worked in Wellington with Harrison at Tommy's. They're also now in property brokers. I see um, the benefits, the flaws, as you would have seen. What's your take on it, Will? I mean, uh, there's obviously a need for BDMs, but is is there are there environments where it doesn't work? I think it's a great topic because it comes up all the time, and I had this conversation the other day. And I believe in BDMs. I think they do work, but you have to. There's a recipe for success, in my experience, and you've got to put the right person in the right environment for it to work. And the right environment can be a number of different things. It could be where they are in New Zealand. It could be the predominant sort of a purchaser within the area. I mean, take Whanganui, for example. Most of those purchases or a lot of them are investment properties. So you've got to think about what is going into the mix. But I, I think that uh, where I have seen it work, this is what has worked, starts again from the top like we covered last week. It, if you've got a strong branch manager that gets it, sees the value of building a portfolio, that's the first part, because part of that, they will develop a very good referral business within that branch from sales to property management and property management back to referrals. That typically, from my observation, starts with the branch manager. I think you need a successful sales team, thinking of Bridget, for example, in Palmerston North, I mean, she's she's an incredibly good BDM, backed up by a very, very good sales team. I think the last time I spoke to David Clue, you had 42% market share in Palmerston mm. and there's 28 agencies. So that's another part. You need a high-caliber BDM. And my observation of BDMs that are successful is they have the same focus on service as sales agents do. They get that... They understand that if a sales agent is referring a property to a property manager for uh, management, it reflects on them and their profile, whether it goes well or not. They understand that. 
And I think another part of it is that the, the BDM is fully engaged in the sales side of the business. For example, they t attend the sales meetings, they go on sales caravans, they understand that they are supposed to churn out appraisals to support the sale process and their sales team. So it's a really, really collaborative approach. So just to summarize all of that, I think you need the right environment. I think you need the right environment within the branch, but also within the area that they're working. And you need the right BDM that just understands what an agent needs and that their role is to support them as well with appraisals, that sort of stuff. Addison, you basically uh, collectively, and you've used the BDM from the outset. Yep, from day dot. From day dot, with a zero base, and you've probably got grown organically at a net rate of approximately, I'm taking a stab in the dark, you'll be able to tell me if I'm right or wrong, but about 100 a year over since your inception. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah, average is out to about 100 a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What percentage comes through the Tommy's sales team and what market share does yep. Tommy's have in Wellington and, the, and what's the importance of that sales team yeah. for, your, for your organic growth? The, the sales team is integral and the relationship we have with the sales team is, is very important. So, you know, I, I would say about half of our business would come through the sales team uh, and the wider sales team as well. So that's just not the people based in the same office as us. Obviously, we've got offices in the wire wrapper and up the Capity Coast as well. So we get leads from all of those offices. Um, but yeah, having a very good in-depth relationship with the sales team is critical. And I think key to that success is having a standalone BDM. Because when you're dealing with a sales team, and David and Will, you've both worked with sales teams, you know how pushy agents can be. They want stuff an hour ago, not when they asked for it. So you need to have someone sort of in that BDM role that isn't caught up with, with stacks of paperwork around maintenance, isn't stuck doing inspections or arrears, and is able to be responsive and help the agents on the fly. So we find that, yeah, having a standalone BDM that actually Actually, the BDM sits in with the sales team on the sales meetings. So do I, me and the BDM, we always have since we started the company. Um, and the BDM actually goes, we call it caravan at Tommy's, where they go twice a week and they go around all the new houses coming on the market. And so our BDM travels with the agents. Therefore, they're building a relationship with the agents. Um, and they do a rental appraisal on every property that is coming to market so that at every open home, there's a rental appraisal, an open home flyer, and all the other, you know, documents that we need. So we find by doing that and having a really robust system, any purchaser that comes along that wants to buy an investment will naturally ring our BDM because we've got a rental appraisal there from the get-go. How long does this take, Addison? Because obviously, you know, some of your caravans are going to be pretty big. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, 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 it, and it's, you're basically taking the BDM almost out of action. Yeah, the, I mean, the BDM will be day. out of action for at least a full day a week. Um, caravan starts after the sales meeting, usually around 9, 9.30, and they're normally not back till 11.30, sometimes in the real busy peak season, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. They might be going through 25 houses. But we've set it up really well with our system um, so that my 
my BDM has got access to the sales CRM that our sales team use, and we have a rental appraisal field in there, a min and a max. So, and it's got a really good mobile app. So when she's in each house, she's bringing them up, she's entering in the min and the max, yep. and then the actual appraisal is just generated by administration. They just click a button and it puts it all into a PDF. So the the only there's no extra work to do once they come back when we started the company we had to sit back down and type up every appraisal but we've really modernized it now so it it, it probably takes a full day a week to service the agents i would say and can i ask what's more important is it actually doing the appraisal or is it forging the relationships with those sales agents which may not have mm. property management at the forefront of the mind it's it's definitely building the relationships. You want to be someone that the agents have full trust in to look after their clients. Once you establish your relationship to that point, agents will be throwing new customers left, right, and center. And a big part of that, as you know, I've always made sure that I've stood up in meetings and, and done training with agents so that they know the correct notice periods when a house is sold. You know, we become the resource for all the agents when they're trying to sell a tenanted house. You know, they're not going on Google, they're not ringing tenancy services, they're talking to me, the BDM. Um, the BDM and myself do training with the agents. Yeah, like I say, we make um, little documents that they can give to vendors around how to sell a tenanted house or what is the best way to go about selling a tenanted house. So no, forming relationships is key. Um, and just being able to help them when you can. The number of times they need an appraisal simply for finance or bank approval, but they need it that day because today's the last day that their finance is valid with the bank. So being able to move, you know, move your schedule around, get that appraisal to them so the house sells, they are forever in favour to you. Yeah, good point, good point. Will, so, can I put to you here? I mean, we're talking very much about property management companies, which are an add-on to a real estate company. How difficult is it for the companies who don't have sales, who are just purely property management? What are the things that they can do? For example, we've had Catherine Goodwin with us over our company uh, day, and they've just actually they've built a rent roll. They've not done sales, and now they're starting to build sales around property management. But for years, they've had to do this organic growth without having a sales division to leverage off. Are those companies at a disadvantage? It's a great it's a great question. And I think to put it into perspective, there are so many real estate businesses out there that do sales and property management that are so terrible at referrals. Don't think for a second that if you do them all that you're better off. Because even if you do, you know, we all know it can be. I've walked into branches that are businesses that I've overseen, and they are actively promoting other property management companies. So, you know, don't fall into the trap to think that people like Goodwins that don't do sales are disadvantaged because you can have it all there, but if you don't make it work, you don't make it work. These are years and years ago when I worked for Howard Morley at Auckland Property Management. We actually formed a relationship with Megan Jaffe, Ray Whites, in uh, Remuera. And everyone will probably know who I'm talking about. Megan Jaffe, top real estate, Ray Whites real estate agency in the world. She's a fascinating person. And 
basically they didn't do property management and Auckland property management didn't do sales and for, we formed a partnership a strategic partnership with uh, Megan Jaffe and this was when I was a BDM at APM and I would go every Tuesday to Megan Jaffe's office I would sit through the sales meetings I would stand up and give them an um, overview of property management and then just as uh, Harrison was describing I'd go off and do caravans with them and spend the day networking, building relationships, doing appraisals for pretty much all the listings, despite most of them being worth 10 million bucks. However, it worked. And it, I mean, that it's a success story. Uh, Megan Jaffe now has got a great property management business that's very big. I think it's about 800 uh, properties, average rent probably about 750. So you do the math. So And that worked, and that would be my recommendation is play to your strengths. If you don't do sales or you don't do property management, for God's sake, work together. And um, I know it worked, and it was a fascinating experience for me that I'm, I'm very grateful for having because I learned a lot. It's, it's, I suppose from, a, from the sales agent's point of view, it's their reputation. And if they don't have confidence in the property management department, the sales agent is not going to refer to someone that they haven't got full confidence with. No, they don't. And I, I, I've got some amazing statistics on this. And I've surveyed agencies, agents in sales meetings over the years. I used to go around branches and do this. Do you know 80% of sales agents don't believe that what they refer will come back to them at the time it needs to be sold? That's it. That's the pretty much on average what the feedback is. So it's got really a lot of it's got nothing to do with whether they like it or not. They just don't think it's going to come back to them. And with this information, it was okay. Well, this is one of the easiest things to fix. We just need greater level of transparency here. And that's how we overcame it is they had this misconception, rightly or wrongly, that they'll never see it again. However, we created reports. We had quarterly reports that would go to the agents, agents in that branch, telling them what the referred, what the original rent was, what the current rent is. And they would see it. We used to call it the bank report. And we would say to them, this is in the bank. When it comes up for sale in the future, you'll be the first to know about it. We'll make sure that if we can, we'll go back to you. Addison, can I turn to you? Yeah. What, what percentage of new business would you say is referred internally through that sales team it's an interesting one like i would say probably half of all appraisals but the issue that you've got is a lot of those appraisals are purely for bank or finance so it's more of a desktop appraisal um if you were then to just narrow it down to people that are actually looking to manage i would say yeah 40 40 percent of our new managements would come from the directly from the Tommy sales team, the next biggest avenue would be other agencies, say selling teams. Right. There are a lot of companies out there, as we've obviously got it right where we do it, but there's lots of companies out there where there doesn't seem to be quite a good gel between the sales team and the property yeah. management team. Um, and, you know, we, we, we do hear from agents from competing people. I've seen, I mean, I've seen that. I've seen it firsthand for multiple years. One of the things I'd like to come to, though, is is the BDM. What percentage is self-generated compared to what's being referred? Or are, are they just order takers? Or are they actually building their own networks, building their own databases and farming those databases? 
It's a little bit of both that we've got here. I mean, we we do get a lot of organic um, organic inquiry, so it's it's actually quite hard having just one BDM. It's quite hard to um, the organic stuff keeps you very busy, pretty much. Um, yeah. So yeah, but I can imagine in smaller agencies where you're not getting as much organic inquiry. Obviously, cold calling. We do things like mail drops. Our BDM does quarterly market updates, so that every client knows who the BDM is. The BDM is um, part of their job is to get our existing customers to buy another house, to buy another property through Tommy's, because then they're getting a commission from the selling team because they're bringing on a buyer. Um, and there's, you know, there's lots of referral fees around that. It gets us another management. It's more commission for the real estate team. So the BDM, like one thing we've recently started doing, um, the sales team send out a weekly new listings email. We collate those new listings emails on a fortnightly basis and handpick out the best ones for rent for investment. And we tweak the email so it's got like the BEO, then it's got what we think the rental will be, then it might show the gross return and a few other bits and bobs. So that sort of stuff, that's where we're trying to get into now with the BDM. That's clever. That's clever. I mean, well, um, let's take a, because you've worked in both provincial and in in the city, what are the expect? is there a different expectation in terms of what a BDM should be bringing on for a city such as Auckland compared to, say, a town such as um, Hastings? Yeah, yeah look, look, great questions. Yes, in my opinion, there is, and it's just simply volume. There are more people living in the major city centres, therefore there are more rental properties available, therefore the, the, the target market is, is bigger. What, what you asked before is, is, is a great question around um, how much of this should be driven by the BDM and how much of it should be or, 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 you know, just being dumped with leads from the sales team. One of the things I think that is missing massively across the industry in general, but specifically for BDMs, is the profiling aspect of other BDM. I mean, if we if we approach this the same as what a sales agent does, how does a sales, someone who's selling residential property, step into the market, never been in the real estate industry before, 40 years old, how do they go from that to selling properties three, four a month, you know, in the years ahead? And it's about you know, I think a good BDM is supported by the by the business, but to build a profile. For example, I mean, for rent signboards, they're the, the cheapest form of advertising out there and, and they're not utilised as much as they should be. You can have fun with them, the billboards. I've always wanted to do something called Signboard September, is get a friggin' full rent board on everything that you've got. And it would look amazing. I mean, it's it's just this optics of it. But you've got to build the profile. You've got to do online marketing. You've got to do stuff on art, real estate, trade me got to get them into that VPA mentality where they're really trying to get the landlords to invest in the marketing just as you do with a vendor and sales is because that marketing obviously it helps to sell the property but it also helps to build their profile and their reputation and as we all see is once they start selling properties it's just this momentum that they build up because their success and their results are there for everyone to see 
So I think that there's an enormous opportunity here to just take, pull out the good pieces that we see in the sales thing and approach it with that mentality. And 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 I think when you get that right, you know, um, the, the, the natural stuff coming through from the sales team is cream on top. Well, I, I, and I'll ask this to both of you, okay? And, and Will, I'll stay with you first. And I remember um, when I was a PB first time round, we had a, a very good BDM. But she made the analogy that being a BDM in property management is harder than sales because sales will generate more leads through the open home. Where with a BDM in property management, it doesn't generate typically some more leads. Do you think there's any truth in that first of all? And how do you get around that? There's a difference for sure. Because, you know, you're dealing with a different type of client, prospective purchases. But I guess it's, you know, what you're also dealing with is prospective renters. And so if you're building, if you if you have a, uh, you know, a, a database or of active renters within the market and you're going to new business presentation saying, I have got 12 people looking for this exact thing right now that have come through my previous open homes. I don't even think we need to advertise this. Are you happy for me to do some, you know, um, some private viewings? I'll just give them a call this afternoon. Boom. So I guess it's, you know, it's it's taking, it's the same sort of thing. You're dealing with the right sort of people. It's just how you use that to your advantage. So, yeah, that would be my take on it. Okay. Addison, what's your view on, on that? On what, sorry? On, on, you know, in terms of if I'm a BDM. Or harder than sales, yeah. It's hard, um, it can be harder than sales because sales will generate other leads because you've got people in the market. And if they're in the market, they've probably got a house to sell already. Yeah, I can, I can definitely, I definitely understand that point because all the most of these people coming through are looking to move from one house to another. Um, yeah, I would say being a BDM, I don't know, it's hard because also when you're selling a house, it's probably a bigger decision to me then then who's managing your house you know so i think and because when you're selling a house you might be spending thirty thousand dollars in commission the thought process is probably a little bit different than the twenty five hundred dollar annual management fee um so yeah i mean i mean there's definitely more work as a bdm because each transaction's worth less you're having to physically do more so yeah, I guess it would be harder because it's harder to find the landlords to begin with, and then you've got to do a higher volume to get the same sort of money. Should it, I mean, is a good BDM just learning how to become a, a real estate agent? Um, I don't think so. Like I've had a BDM go into sales, and it wasn't their cup of tea. Uh, yeah. And then they they left that. I think sales is a is only for a particular kind of person. You are completely on your own, you're self-employed, you're 100% commission-based, you are running your own business. So it is a little bit different than being a BDM. BDMs tend to have a bit of a base salary. Um, they're an employee with a bit more benefits and protection. So I think jumping into this the sales role, yes, there are some BDMs that will definitely go that route. But I think a lot of them are almost salespeople that, that don't want to do sales. They want a slightly safer sales role. So they're looking at, uh, uh, so this leads on, on to how do you pay these guys? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's your view there? So what I'm hearing from you is that 
there's a salary component to what they're doing, but yeah. I'm presuming there's also a bonus payment on performance. Uh, I mean, you know, you don't have to go into exact dollar wise. Yeah, no, but yeah, so exactly. So we we do a base salary, and that obviously covers a lot of things like the the training and the servicing to the real estate team, uh, and you know, all the times you do desktop appraisals, you know, you're never going to get paid commission for those. Yeah. Um, but we do pay a commission based on the first year's worth of management fees for every new management bought on board. We do also have a clawback so that if that management is gone within the first 12 months, you know, there's some of that commission is taken back. So there's a little bit of onus on the BDM to ensure that that owner stays at least for the initial 12 months. What happens if your your property manager makes a mistake and and the company's at fault? I mean, are you clawing the money back then or is it just that's not fair on the BDM because that's not their fault, is it? Yeah, no, definitely not not their fault. I mean, luckily we haven't come across that yet. That's I mean, we ha- we we have you know dismissal guarantees and everything. If we ever drop the ball, anyone can leave yeah. whenever they like. I think yeah. that's a bit of an NZ Realtors uh, go to. Yeah. I think across the board. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was, what, what, go on, go on, Will. Oh, sorry. I, I just when I was a BDM, um, I was paid one point two five times the first week's rent. Right. As an incentive. Okay. And I. Tell you what, and Emma, my wife, will attest to this. I was all over it on a Sunday. I was out trying to get properties on board because if it was a thousand bucks a week, that's twelve hundred and fifty bucks. And it, it, I was paid a base as well. It is a high commission structure, but it worked. I was incentivized. I was, I was into it. And, and, and to your point, I did have to pay it back a couple of times because for whatever the reason, it fell over later down the track. So there was there was redundancy in place to protect the business. So it kept me incentivized on an ongoing base, basis. But my my opinion is, what does it cost to buy a portfolio? Yeah. What, what are the multipliers, guys? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's at the moment, it's three, it's huge. So when you're paying someone, you know, if it's if it's $1,000 a week, what is that generating per year? It's probably about $4,000 paying me 1250 but if you bought that it's 4000 times 3 12000 so you do the math you can put things in place to protect the business as well like minimum terms of 12 months or whatever it does it stacks up and although it's hard to write a check that big potentially for some businesses a it got me off my ass on a sunday i was all over it i loved it and and there are the checks and balances in place to make sure that it's stacked up long term okay so can i can i ask what are reasonable expectations? I mean, we've talked on it before about, you know, how many, you, or, or there's a more of an expectation if you're in a city compared to a provincial town, but what are the actual physical numbers that we're looking at per month? Addison, I'll come to you first in, in, in Tommy's in Wellington. What are you expecting your BBM to write a month and a year on business? Uh, oh, you're asking me. I thought you were going to Will first. No, no, no. Asking you, mate. No. So my my BDMs have an expectation that every month they're bringing on twenty thousand dollars of reoccurring revenue. 
so we don't do it based on doors i've I've, I've always gone against the whole counting houses um because it's about the quality of the house dave you taught me this from day one you know no matter every house needs x number of inspections and x amount of work done so if you can get a two thousand dollar a week house that's equivalent to four five hundred dollar weekly properties use it to my ears this Alison. you know you're doing a court you're doing a quarter of the physical work for the same amount of money and this yeah. is what every property management agency should be doing. You should be aiming for the the best properties and the best portfolio. There's no need to be to be working at the bottom lower end for your for the entirety of your portfolio. So 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 on that point, if you're paying a commission on the contract value, there's less of an incentive to discount of fees because it impacts yeah. the, the BDM in the pocket. So the more they discount the commission, they're discounting their pay. Yeah. Okay. What does fantastic? Yeah. Roughly, what does twenty k? I mean, I've got my own mental numbers in my mind of what that would look like. But it sounds like it's it's roughly. I mean, it depends. It's about eight. Yeah. Six Six to eight, depending on the ones we do. Yeah. So we don't. It's not about numbers for us. You know, we we usually grow by ten to twelve a month, um, and they're all. The upper end of the market, and what can a, and what can a BDM expect to earn per annum? All of my BDMs have been earning a hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what's wrong when you were doing it? What was what was your expectations in terms of number of properties? Because the flaw with your system, if there is a flaw, is that yeah, you you hear what you're saying, dead right about going out there and buying it. But if I'm standing up a property at ten percent or at seven percent. I'm still going to be getting paid the same amount, like one and a half weeks or one and a quarter weeks rent. What mm. would be an expectation on numbers and what pressures were put on you or what flexibility did you have in terms of negotiating on the management fee? Well, firstly, I love what, Harry, you're saying. I think that uh, it's self-regulating. It's a really, really good way of looking at it because, like you say, David, you're not going to discount management fees, that sort of stuff to get the property on board. My, my expectation has always been, depending on the market, it's always been between 8 and 12. I used to be at that level uh, and I would I would achieve it some months. I always, for whatever the reason, found it went in two-month cycles. I have no idea why, and I've yeah. often seen that with BDMs that work have worked for me in various agencies. Don't ask me why. Maybe it's just that pipeline lead-in cycle, but I'd often have a very good month or what I've seen is people have great months, then a slower month, and then you build again to have a big month and then a slightly slower month. It's just it's just weird. It's funny. So I think anywhere between 8 and 12, but I really do like that idea about looking at what you're generating in, in revenue yeah. as opposed to chasing doors, uh, to, to quote you on that. I think that's a fantastic fantastic way there's a happy happy medium one of the things that i i'm I'm fascinated to hear your feedback on guys is the handover process yes yes i was was gonna bring i was gonna bring that off yeah it's it's uh quite contentious isn't it and uh, it can be all over over the place it really can and does the bbm do the letting or does the property manager do the letting there's all these and i've seen all these different models i mean at some point the that's when you get a letting team yeah, yeah, yeah. How I mean, do you do Addison, it? Do you do Addison, it? what are you doing? Oh, how do I do it? Right. So, I mean, look, it, it it's different in different you know regions, really. 
I mean, so what would happen is that Bridget will have to go out and get some Palmy, and she'll write up 140 properties, so 160 properties a year. Um, but then we've got a 40% market share in Palmerston North, so as you alluded to before. Um, so our expectation is that the BDM has got all the information, you know, and this is what happens so often. BDMs, the, the salespeople, they're not necessarily detailed people all the time. Bridget now actually has a, a PA to help her so they can accumulate all that information that you require around compliance, insulation, the insurance details, then hand over to the team leader and be allocated to the relevant property manager. I would like to think that Bridget would have a good idea as to what property manager would suit the particular client. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you take it from there. Um, yeah. In some of our smaller regions where we're building, the BDM is also, you know, helping out getting the properties let, loading them into Palace uh, and helping all the way through to the letting process. Because when you're in a smaller town, you're right, you know, you, you realistically, you're not going to be writing 12 a month in a population where there's 50,000 people, you know, because there's fewer houses. Uh, Addison, what do you guys do? Um, well, yeah, obviously the BDM gets the property signed up. As soon as the owners sort of give us the green light that it looks like they're going to be going forward, we've actually completely digitised our onboarding um, process. Yeah. So it's self-completed by the owner. This way, there is little issue with like us transposing data incorrectly. So it's, it's through the back end of our website. Our owners get sent a link and they pretty much go through, fill out all the information that is on our management agreement. They have to upload their insurance policy. They have to enter a bunch of information about their insurer, about body corporate, building information. We will not allow someone to move to the next step till that form's complete. And that's essentially, I rolled that out about this time last year and it was the most, it was the best thing I did in terms of onboarding because every owner stops at that stage, gets all their stuff together, submits the form, we go through it and as long as it's all correct, we then put together a management authority and rentee and send it out for digital signing. Um, and then once that all comes back, it goes to our outsourcing team overseas and they they input all the they do all the data entry overnight into palace and into all the other systems that require it and what i'll tell you what's hard from, from from the property broker's point of view if you're to sound like a danny burke or a white puck you're not going to have a bdm because there's just not the population uh, and, and and the property manager almost becomes both but that's where the sales team just become so integral. And what happens and what does happen in these smaller offices, they're a closer-knit team because they're all yeah. doing the sports stuff together, the community stuff together. They all know each other in the towns. Everybody knows each other. Yeah. And, 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 and so that feeds really well in these, in these smaller communities. And you've got to put yourself out there. You've got to join networking groups. You've got to maybe go to a Toastmasters, make yourself a little bit more polished. And, and get involved with a sports team, do a bit of coaching on a Saturday morning. All that type of stuff is so, so important um, because in these smaller provincial communities, it's about trust. Uh, and, and, and your reputation, you've got one crack at getting it right in those smaller communities because your reputation easily become, becomes tarnished. Um, Harrison, can I just, because we'll have to wind this up soon, we've had a really good discussion and it's almost a two-part discussion because we haven't really touched at all 
on social media, and that could probably become mm. another topic mm. that we leave on from this. But I mean, what what importance do you put on um, Google reviews, SEO, search engine optimization, the relevance of the website? Uh, you know, do you use is that where the bulk of your marketing focus goes? Or you oh, definitely. In, in terms of print, do you do much in terms of print? No, we're entirely, um, so I'm quite lucky, the real estate, we have one large marketing department that does the marketing for all parts of Tommy's. Um, so they do all my website, all my SEO, that sort of stuff. And it's critical, you know, 90% of our organic business comes through our website. Um, so, you know, ranking top in local search, things like that, making sure, like for David, if people search property managers in Palmerston North that you're ranking high, that you've got really good reviews. Um, you know, we incentivize our owners and our tenants throughout the tenancy and throughout the management process to always give us a review. Um, so, you know, they come in in drips and drabs, which is always yeah. fantastic. Um, but just touching on social media too, Dave, I think the BDM being very active on LinkedIn is very critical as well. Yeah. LinkedIn is a fantastic network and it's an opportunity for them to show off, I guess, their skills and what they what they do know and sort of become a bit of a local expert. So LinkedIn, well, I, I we'll reckon, do. is critical. Yeah. I think what we'll do, Alison, is that we'll lead on and we'll do a social media one. We'll do a social yeah. media. It will do a social media one because we've really scratched the surface on this discussion. We've probably gone a little bit over time, um, but it's been. We'll, we'll go on to so part two of this. We'll look at you know your digital footprint, your personal profile. Mm. Should it be a personal profile or should it just be a company profile? Um, but it's been a fantastic discussion, guys. What are you got plans? What are you What are your plans for the week, Will? Uh, I'm training, training pretty hard at the moment and building my business plan for my new role. So pretty uh, pretty pumped, really, and being a dad, picking my kids up, dropping them off. Yep. That'd be good. It is lovely. It is. I feel great. I really do. Um, I yep. feel, uh, feel that every once in a while, if people can, they should take a break. It's just, yep. it's lovely. It's been yep. highly recommended. Well, the big news for us, Will, is that the conference, the PMC, coming up in uh, 23rd and 24th of November at the Takina Convention Centre in Wellington, our conference agenda is going to be up on the website. We've just about got to the point where we're finalising our speaker line. We've actually had Brad Olson here today at Property Brokers, and we've got him again. And he's pumped about going back to the PMC. He said he really enjoyed it last year. And he was actually on a really good podcast, New Zealand Herald podcast, all about renting. And he's got some really interesting views uh, on that. Harrison, um, you know, I'm down in Wellington this week, actually, at the Takina Convention Centre, because I think there's a Lego exhibition on. I've got to yes, there is a thing, Jurassic so. World one. Yeah, yeah, and I can't wait, not just to see Jurassic World and Lego, uh, but to see the Convention Centre. It'll be the first time I've seen it. Alison's not interested in You know, it would be fantastic. You know, I need to go there and have a look. I need to start looking at how we're going to lay out the lay out the entirety of the um, conference days. I can't wait to see you on that billboard with your bottle of wine, mate. I really can't. I think, <laughs> oh, yeah. gosh. Uh, right, congratulations, guys. guys. It's, it's bloody exciting. It's really yeah, it's going to come around fast. It's coming around fast. It's coming around fast. We've got Michael Furlong confirmed. He's from Australia. He's going to come and do a session on rent roll growth. He's from Melbourne. He had a, a company in, in Melbourne. He does a, and he specialises a lot on, on rent roll development. 
Homoni Hart, obviously, again from Australia, Brad Olson, uh, Dean Larratt from Maintain to Profit. We've got some fantastic panels uh, lined up as well. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's going to be a great couple of days. Can't wait for it. And the early bird tickets close at the end of July. I'm going to be off flying off to England next Saturday. Can't wait. Going to go and see my daughter who's uh, doing property management in Manchester and my son who's playing cricket in Liverpool. So can't wait to see them. So we'll do a show um, next week and we'll try and get one done when I'm overseas and get a bit of an insight as to what's happening in property management um, in the UK and England and Wales. So thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, have a great week and thanks for joining us and listening to us on the Alternative Property Management Show. Make sure that you share this link and make sure that you give us a review. Make sure you send us your feedback and make sure you get your tickets for the PMC 2023. Now to you, guys. Thank you for tuning in Cheers, to guys. the See Alternative Property Management Podcast, powered by Renty and the PMC.